It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value value today. We got a big time guest in the building today. We have Jeff Fromm in the building and the author of The Purpose Advantage. How's it going, Jeff? Great. Thanks for having me. All righty. All righty. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation, Jeff? Oh, I'm excited and looking forward to this. All righty. As always, Startup Nation, my name is Dominic Lawson. This is the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network. So, Jeff, man, first things first, man, let's set this thing off right. Share with us your path of entrepreneurship and share with us just your career path up until this point. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, Hi, Startup Nation. Uh, I guess uh, I I was a marketing strategy consultant for most of my career and then uh, took on more of a a sales role. And uh, back in 2010 and 11, uh, couldn't find information on millennials as consumers. And I was perplexed that there was nothing on the Google on the topic, which made me think one of two things. Either the topic was irrelevant or nobody had done any work on this topic. And I I chose the latter scenario. And so I um, formed a research partnership between the Boston Consulting Group and my company, which is Barclay. It's an ad agency. And one thing led to another, and we published the world's first major study of millennials as consumers. And then I wrote a book about that. I started speaking uh, initially at a couple of events for free. And then people were like, that's amazing. You should charge people for that. one thing, again, leads to another, and now four books later and 500 talks over uh, uh, six of the seven continents probably at this point. Uh, I haven't been invited to speak in Antarctica yet, but uh, who knows, right? <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Absolutely. And, and and once again, you can go to Jeff's website. We have a link there in the show notes where you can, he, you know, shares with us like those 500 plus keynotes and being invited to uh, not only in six different continents, but also to one of the biggest brands in the world from Sonic, the fast food restaurant, and a whole bunch of other ones. So uh, definitely uh, got some uh, massive experience when it comes to uh, how brands operate, how brands form, and things of that nature. So really appreciate your time. But I want to talk about your book right now, The Purpose uh, Advantage, How to Unlock New Ways of Doing Business. And so Startup Nation, you know, this is an amazing book. Uh, it has all five stars uh, 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 compliments on Amazon. So you definitely want to add it to your entrepreneurial toolkit. Now, Jeff, I want to ask you this because in the book, you have many stories and anecdotes uh, that talks about many different things. And one of the things you talk about are the six different uh, consumer mindsets. If you would just kind of talk about what those are and why is it important for businesses and brands to understand uh, uh, how important they are. Well, that's great. So I'm going to dive into the mindsets, but before I do, they're based sure. on a pretty simple uh, concept. And and Startup Nation, you need to know that you might have grown up with a parent saying there's no connection between love and money. And I need to tell you when it comes to brands, that is not the case. Mm. You see, the more loved your brand is, the more money you're going to make. You're going to have a price elasticity advantage and you're going to have a frequency of use advantage. And so what we did is we modified through research, um, six mindsets that we found drove brand love or brand preference. Research was done with consumers 16 to 65, so Gen Z, Millennials, Xers, and Boomers. I'm an Xer. Nobody cares what we think. We're the forgotten generation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we looked at 
not only stated importance, but derived importance. Derived importance is how people spend their time and money. Stated is what people say. So I might say, I'm going to be healthy this week. But come Saturday, I might want pizza and beer. And so people often say one thing and do another. So what we found were six mindsets that drove preference. Uh, the first of those was called social circle, which is to say uh, it um, is about cultural conversations and brands that part of cultural conversations usually have a huge edge. So if I were to give you a, a, a simple example, uh, laundry detergent is one of the more unsexy categories to be in. And if I said you were in the laundry aisle at your local grocery store, uh, you find a bottle of orange laundry detergent, you're probably thinking you're looking at a bottle of Tide. And Tide's a behemoth large brand. Now there's a smaller brand that's been chipping away at Tide's share. And they charge an extra buck a bottle. And that brand is seventh generation. So in a sleepy, not very sexy category, they get an extra buck a bottle and they're chipping away at the share of the biggest, most powerful, well-known brand on the planet, that orange bottle called Tide. And so as you think about that kind of a paradigm, what you're seeing is word of mouth and word of mouse is affecting consumer choice because people are talking about seventh generation, the way they talk about Nike, the way they talk about Patagonia. These brand, brands have an advantage. They're smaller and, uh, and they're able to beat the big brands based on word of mouth and word of mouth in part. Second uh, of the six mindsets is self. This is the emotional connection consumers have to a brand. They don't have an emotional connection. They're not paying $5 for a coffee. Okay. It just doesn't happen. They're not paying the extra buck a bottle for seventh generation either. Emotional connections are crucial uh, to having uh, successful love brands. Third is innovation. Uh, innovation is about the useful new and brands that innovate create uh, not necessarily a new product sometimes or a new service sometimes, but they also create new use cases, new inspiration, new ways to accomplish the project. Because sometimes, you know, I only buy the tool to get the project done. I don't really care if I own a drill, uh, but I need to know how to do the project. So maybe Home Depot or Lowe's gives me a video that inspires me on how to complete my project. Uh, uh, fourth on the list is trust. If you don't have trust, you can't be a most loved brand. Fifth of the mindsets is around accessibility. This is about hyper useful, hyper convenient. If you're hyper useful and hyper convenient, um, you probably have a big edge. Think about brands like Airbnb and Amazon. They're disruptors. They're hyper useful. They're hyper convenient. And then sixth is purpose. And uh, purpose and sustainability is a major topic. And uh, brands with a soul have an edge with consumers who are discerning, not disloyal. These, these consumers can absolutely uh, trade up and trade down. And if there's no strong brand, they'll trade down to private label and go for a low price. And if there's a strong brand, they'll pay a small premium for the strong brand. So that's a high level view of the six mindsets and the mindsets drive preference. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I, I wanted to, you know, kind of just point out, like when I was reading the book, the, the one, the mindset that interested me more than the others was the innovation thing. Cause I would have thought maybe that was more of an in-house being like from an internal standpoint of the companies themselves. But I didn't think, I didn't know consumers, you know, really cared about innovation in that regard as much. So yeah, and I, th I think, yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, innovation is very important both to the consumer and sometimes also to have the kind of culture you want internally. With, mm, with fair enough. Employees. 
And, and I think many of the high-performing brands combine innovation with purpose. So look at like Chobani, another category that used to get no attention, yogurt. The right. smallest player in the category, Chobani by far. Tiny category, tiny player, tiny category. Nobody cares about the category. They do a lot of innovation on flavor, on protein, and then they have a nice dose of purpose and sustainability. So I think in many cases, it's the combination of two mindsets and, and often innovation in combination with purpose in the food space right. can create a uh, Real traction. Interesting. Small brands get big fast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. So another part, you know, I wanted to ask you because you actually include a letter uh, from chairman and CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, and he said something that was interesting. Uh, he says that profits are in no way inconsistent with purpose. In fact, profits and purpose are extricably linked. And this goes to the purpose of, you know, uh, that, you know, people like to be engaged with brands that have some type of purpose in that regard. So, but what I want to ask you is, excuse me for just a second. You know, you know, how do brands find that balance? Because, you know, sometimes people can, you know, or brands can have a, a, an instance where they're trying to say that they care about a certain cause, a societal cause or something like that, but sometimes it comes off as disingenuous. How do brands kind of, you know, you know, find that balance if you would? Um, I think the, the key part is to understand sort of a, the intersection of a Venn diagram of, you know, what does the consumer want? What are their need states? Right. What operationally can that brand deliver on? What, what are they really good at? And then how can you bring it together with purpose and sustainability at a price point? So uh, if the bottle of seventh generation is more than an extra buck, then I'm probably not willing to pay it. But I feel better about myself as a human, and it only costs me a buck mm. to buy seventh generation. Now, the price of admission in that category is it has to clean my clothes. Right. Because otherwise... I'm not going to use the product. And as soon as seventh generation innovates on purpose and sustainability with less speed than Tide, well, Tide wins. They're a stronger brand. Mm. So it's a combination of factors in that example that drives it. But, but think of a sort of a flywheel, right? If you're operating a small restaurant, one of the fastest growing, uh, formerly small, now not so small restaurants is Mod Pizza. And I talked about Mod in the book as well. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, does the world need another pizza chain? Well, heck yes, we live in America. Of course we do. <laughs> but Mod is not the first pizza chain to come to America, not the second, not the 20th. Okay. And, and the reality is Mod Secret Sauce is not the pepperoni or the mozzarella or the sauce, it's their purpose. They give people a second chance and they have a business flywheel advantage because their employees often had a scrape with the law or a gap in their work history. And they, they screen those folks and hire the right ones. They train them and then they find that they're more loyal. They are find that they deliver better guest experience and that creates a real advantage in a business model. And all of a sudden you have a billion dollar pizza chain in a category that's kind of sleepy and moving slowly. You know, right. For sure. For sure. But, you know, you also talk in the book as far as like how sometimes, you know, brands, you know, they try to go for a purpose and they kind of kind of miss the 
missed the mark on a little bit because you, you shared the story about when Starbucks tried to talk about the issue of race. And the thing is, is like when we think about these big brands like a Starbucks, we always ask ourselves, like, how can a big brand like that get it wrong? So, Jeff, how can a big brand like that get it wrong? Well, the most common way brands get it wrong, and Starbucks is a great brand that did a great job of trying to recover. There are a lot of other brands that have also gotten it wrong from Pepsi to Gillette to many more. Mm -hmm. And that is usually not on the strategy. Usually large brands are pretty good at that. What they do is fail to sequence. Mm -hmm. So you first have to win inside your organization. You have to make sure your employees understand it and they live it and they believe it. And and then uh, you take that message outside your organization. And failure to to work inside out uh, can create problems. So uh, Nike has full authority to talk about using sports to, to talk about uh, social issues. It's consistent with their heritage. Starbucks didn't have that authority. Mm. And so by moving too fast, they fundamentally outkicked the punt team, right? Right. And, uh, and, and create a problem for themselves. Uh, so it wasn't like they were trying to be a bad company. They just didn't do a very good job of making sure that they'd done the right things inside. And so then they get exposed. Uh, now, fortunately for Starbucks, they A, are a strong brand, and B, took action inside to rectify the mistake. Um, but if you don't do a good job of seeding the idea and then you try to get credit for it through marketing, that's not usually a very smart move. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, in the book, you also talk about the BOGO trap. Kind of share with us about that, because we know a lot of different you know, small businesses are kind of popping up, and they like the the, the BOGO model of business. I think everybody likes to cite Tom's shoes, obviously, because they're the ones who kind of started that. But kind of talk about uh, the possible negative effects of a BOGO uh, uh, business model. Yeah, I mean, there are a small number of brands that can use the BOGO strategy effectively. And so I don't want to say it never works because it does work. Right. It's just a high-risk move. And the trap is that you... Um, uh, don't get the traction you want. You've got a lot of cost in doing that kind of thing. Uh, and then ultimately uh, the brand will fail. And, and for every Tom shoes that you hear about, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of failures. So um, the, the trap is that we'll, consumer buys one and then the company will give one to someone in need. And there are a lot of unintended consequences when that can happen right. sometimes. So it's just, uh, I don't want to rule that out uh, when we do our workshops with brands. Right. Uh, you know, it's not like we take it off the table. It's more like, let's look at the pros and cons of that alternative as opposed to some other alternatives. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And speaking of workshops, you actually have a sample workshop in the book. Kind of share with Startup Nation of the value that they get with that part of the book. Well, in the Purpose Advantage, we, we thought we'd share a few great s- stories as a starting mm-hmm. point. But then uh, what we did is we put in our f- sort of foundational workshop so that entrepreneurs and, and business strategy leaders and, and, and larger companies could get a very clear view of the kinds of issues and questions that have to get addressed uh, in order for, um, for you to get growth and success. All right, Startup Nation, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. we got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life.
episode of the Startup Life is powered by Colony Spark. Startup Nation, with our economy in flux, there is a lot of mixed messaging out there. If there was ever a time to take control of the narrative and let your customers know that you're here to serve them, it's now. And that's why you have a friend in Colony Spark. Colony Spark is an omni-channel marketing agency that believes in the power of community to ignite your business. They have helped companies across many industries with lead generation, revenue growth, and more to put them on the path to success. My guy Bill Murphy and his team are very good at what they do. How do I know this? Because not many SEO companies have the stamp of approval of being partnered with Google. Yes, that Google. So I want you to go to www.colonyspark.com forward slash startup to schedule a meeting today. In that meeting, you will review your current marketing activity, receive actionable advice on how to pivot and grow, and ask any marketing questions you may have on navigating over the next few months. Look, Startup Nation, I know things may seem uncertain right now, but if you are looking for a business partner that can help light the way, go with Colony Spark, where they firmly believe in business helping business. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and Startup Nation, you can purchase that book. We have a link in the show notes for easy access. The Purpose Advantage, How to Unlock New Ways of Doing Business. Uh, we, like I said, we have a link in the show notes for easy access to purchase that book. Last question before we go to break, Jeff, if we could, because... As of this recording, uh, there was a, a bit of a controversy with a Peloton commercial. Uh, it's the one with the, uh, the young lady gets a Peloton bike for Christmas and she charts her journey, uh, her fitness journey uh, in the commercial. And some people are saying that it, it struck the wrong tone. Uh, so I guess I wanted to ask you, was this something that could have been avoided? Is it something that, you know, maybe is being perceived the wrong way? What's your take on this? Well, I think uh, in the purpose advantage, I talked about the Gillette toxic masculinity, and it, it also struck the wrong tone. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think a couple of different issues. One, it can be um, construed the wrong way. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably Peloton was trying to do the right thing, and, and, and people took it as, wow, so you're body shaming me or exercise shaming me. Um, I, I doubt that was their intent. Uh, having said that, sometimes controversy can be a positive outcome. I mean, Nike right. signed Colin Kaepernick and, and created advertising that offended people and their right. sales and profits grew. Uh, so I don't want to uh, say I know the answer because I don't work with Peloton. Right. Um, I do ride Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I don't work with them. And uh, I would say sometimes controversy is a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Uh, and uh, time will tell whether they... Uh, come out of this on the right side or the wrong side. So, Jeff, man, like, you know, you go around uh, around the world, and one of the things that you really talk about to brands and companies and stuff like that is understanding, you know, millennials and Gen Z. So I want to ask you, what fascinates you about uh, those two generations? Well, uh, I think the number one thing that fascinates me is the number of myths people believe about millennials and Gen Z, like, oh, all millennials are broke and unemployed and living in their parents' <laughs> basement among a collection of participation trophies that they've never freaking earned. Really? <laughs> it's not only unhelpful to believe that, it's not even remotely accurate. It's just a barrier to your growth. Um, and so the first thing you have to do is dig into the facts. You know, the fastest growing group of people making bank are millennial women over the age of 30. Mm. And uh, 
I think one of the big surprises for people is how much influence millennials have beyond their direct buying power. And, uh, and when I talk about influence, I'm talking about uh, food trends, health trends, technology trends, apparel trends. Someone who's 50 years old gets their clues from someone who's younger, not older. And so their direct spending power is significant. Their influence across generations is even more significant. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And one of the, and I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, Startup Nation, Jeff is also a writer for Forbes magazine. Uh, and he's been writing there for, for quite a while, a while now, you know, talking about millennials and Gen Z and things of that nature. And Jeff, you wrote a piece back in 2017, a look into the lives of millennial parents and what brands need to know. And I want to read a quote here just really quickly because I have a, a question about it. Uh, the quote says, half of, millennial, half of the millennial generation is non-white. By the time millennials' childbearing years come to an end, America will be a majority-minority country. Along with this will come a shift in even greater liberal stance on societal issues from LBGTQ rights to gender equality. Millennial parents want to raise their children in a world that provides the fairness and freedom that they themselves seek, end quote. So when I read that and we talk about the change in demographics of America and stuff like that. If I'm a small business owner, what, do, why is that important to me? Why do I need to know about those changing demographics? Well, I think um, it, a couple things, first of all, sure. in, inclusivity, right? Like right. it's a big theme with young people. So culturally that's important. Second, uh, you can't, if you're a smaller, more nimble business, you don't want to try to be everything to everybody because you'll be nothing to no one. So pick, pick a market. might be attitudinal versus you know, demographic, but pick a market and right. serve that market well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think the strong brands understand that. Uh, I think the other thing is that the changing uh, you know, melting pot of America goes back to the roots of our country as welcoming inclusive, et cetera. So, um, you know, that threatens some people, uh, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, the, the trends are the trends and, uh, it's important to understand that that means diversity in food culture and language and everything else. Right. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think that's going to create opportunities for successful, uh, members of the startup nation community to serve new consumers who want adventure and who want to take in everything life has to offer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because it, it, it just fascinates me about, you know, the generation to where, you know, there really are, like you were saying earlier, they really are kind of dictating, you know, uh, you know, tech choices, food choices and things of that nature. So I appreciate you sharing that, especially when it comes to uh, uh, raising kids, because I am a, I'm one of those older millennials and I have kids. And so, uh, this really does speak to me a little bit. So I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, so Thanks. one of the things I wanted to ask you is because, you know, we not only talk about millennials, but we also talk about Gen Z and Gen Z is starting to enter the marketplace. They're starting to wrap up college and enter the marketplace and they're making per- big purchasing decisions and things of that nature. And you wrote a book marketing to Gen Z startup nation. We have a, a link in the show notes for easy access to purchase that book as well. I guess I wanted to know what's the what are some of those differences? Even though Gen Z and millennials are kind of similar, what are some of the differences that they share? 
I mean, it's well, just I think there. <laughs> I think there are some significant differences. First okay. of all, they're more digital, social, and mobile. Okay. To the core than millennials. As an older millennial, you probably didn't grow up tweeting your date on a uh, on a Friday night. No. Right. <laughs> it's not part of your DNA. Right. Um, I also think. Uh, that their attitudinal value set looks a lot different. So there are a number of millennials who grew up when the economy looked very different. And, uh, you know, they came out of college in 08, 09, jobs were hard to find. They had college debt, things like that. Uh, and I think, um, you know, Gen Z is growing up in a world of global terrorism. It's a little bit more scary. Uh, the economy is vibrant. They have values that more look more and more like someone who might be over the age of 50, hard work, a little bit conservative in terms of their, you know, sort of views on those kinds of things. Um, at the same time, very much inclusive uh, with respect to diversity and equality. So, um, you know, there are some very significant differences. And I, I tried to point them out to folks, uh, you know, in that, in that book, Marketing to Gen Z. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, it's funny you mentioned that it has some of those uh, older qualities of hard work and stuff like that, because some people have said that Gen Z might be a hero's generation, just like the silent generation, or as Tom Brokaw would put it, the greatest generation. What's your opinion on that? Because we're looking at, you know, the, uh, you know, we're talking about climate change. We're talking about societal issues. Do you think Gen Z could be a hero generation? Yeah, I think that uh, Gen Z is... Uh is, is definitely uh, going to have to wrestle to the ground so many issues that unfortunately have not been dealt with by either political party in the U.S. and outside the U.S. Uh, you know, the 17 U.N. sustainable development goals are going to be crucial for us to be able to continue to live happily and and prosperously as a, as a planet. <laughs> uh, you can't, you can't t- continue to put uh, unlimited pressure on scarce resources. So, um, so you know, companies are going to have to think about this because if they don't, then the consumer will boycott the product. Right, right. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. So I wanted to ask you this, man. I, I did a little Facebook stalking and I saw a picture of you and your daughter, Laura. Uh, so I, I want to ask you, what is something that Laura has taught you as you've progressed in your career, progressed, you know, in your keynote speaking and things of that nature, what's something that she's taught you? Uh, Laura is super mature. She's about to graduate from med- medical school. Okay. Uh, I, I think she's uh, taught me that, uh, uh, that young people today are caring and intelligent, savvy, and that, uh, and that they need to be listened to. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. Now I did see, uh, that you also are, you know, you're there in Kansas City, so clearly you're a Royals fan. Uh, so I have to ask you, best player to put on a Royals uniform is who? <laughs> Boy, uh, as a longtime Royals fan, I might have to say George Brad. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, if I were to look right now, uh, you know, Salvi's a pretty exciting player and we're in the middle of football season so right. uh right. you know don't count us out for the big dance next year all right because uh we're gonna get healthy and win a couple here at the end and contend okay okay cool deal cool deal so i appreciate all of that jeff what's your superpower and why my man what's i didn't hear the question i apologize oh, oh no worries what's your superpower and why is that your superpower 
Startup Nation, my superpower is tenacity. It's not brain power. It's not luck. Uh, you know, the harder people work, I think they make their own luck a lot of times. And I am uh, one of those folks who gets up early and uh, gets a lot done. Uh, I've been fortunate to be supported by a lot of talented, smart people. And I take ideas and, and, and sort of aggregate them to help create the, the books and the speaking and the consulting work I do. So uh, surround yourself by smart people and, and be tenacious. Uh, be a honey badger. I hear that. I hear that. Be the honey badger. I, I think we've had a previous guest who have said be a honey badger as well. So I appreciate you sharing that. And before I give, uh, ask the last question, I just want to say, Jeff, thank you so much again for coming on the Startup Life Powered by the Binge Podcast Network. You gave amazing value and shared amazing value with your book, The Purpose Advantage, How to Unlock New Ways of Doing Business. Once again, Startup Nation, we have a link in the show notes for easy access to purchase uh, that book. But Jeff, I actually want to turn the microphone over to you because there's someone in Startup Nation that either they're feeling a little bit down on their luck. They're either afraid to start their business or they're afraid, they feel stuck and they're afraid to move forward. Give them some words of motivation to help them keep moving forward, my man. Well, uh, I think everyone who's uh, tried uh, tried to start a business uh, you know, encounter some fail, failure. I mean, that's just um, the way it goes. And uh, I think, um, you know, if you're feeling down, you got to sometimes make a decision about whether you're going to double down on your effort or if it's time to go get a day job because mm-hmm. that's almost always an option for folks. So um, I, I, I don't think you should feel alone if you're feeling like it's tough because it is tough. Uh, there's nothing harder than... Uh, being your own boss and uh you know, america is uh, filled with so many successful small medium and large companies that were created by people who you know didn't give up because uh, uh very very rarely does it all go right <laughs> right for sure for sure and that's gonna wrap up this session of the start of life did you enjoy being on the show jeff loved it thanks for having me no worries no worries Hi, Startup Nation. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.